welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Welcome. My name is Kathy, and I'm a recovering sexaholic. My co-leader here is Mark, and the topic we are sharing on is Tradition 1, Putting Common Welfare First. Please turn off any electronics, and please do not record any of this session. In the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the message, this session is recorded. The recorder will not be turned off during this session. If you do not want to be recorded but need to share, we encourage you to attend another non-recorded meeting. Please do not touch the recording equipment. If you want to share, come up to the front and sit next to us to use the microphone. Please leave the microphone on the table and don't touch it because it makes noise on the recording. Thank you. Let's begin with a moment of silence for all those still suffering or unable to attend a meeting, followed by the serenity prayer. Prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Again, our topic is on Tradition 1, putting the common welfare first. We will share for a few minutes about this topic and how it applies in our lives. Then we will open up the meeting for all of you to share. Um, How many minutes would we be? Letting them share. Five minutes? Three minutes? Sure. Okay, let's go with three minutes. And um, so I'll start. My name is Kathy. I am a sexaholic, and my sobriety date is June 5th, 05. And I'm really excited about being in St. Louis and being able to gather again at a convention, which now I've been coming for a while. It, it feels like family reunion to me. And uh, it's really great. Actually, now it's harder for me to figure out how I can get all the sessions in, um, in comp- it's harder to figure out how I can get in to, to greet people I haven't seen in a while. That's, that's what I'm trying to say, and that's a really good um, opportunity to make connection. We have a really small group in Louisville, Kentucky, and um, I do love my brothers and my sisters there because now I'm not the only female. That's only taken about 15 years. And, uh, <clears throat> and so, but I've, I am good to get in... Uh, Uh, fresh perspective when I interact with other people. So some things that came to me. Absolutely. Mark's going to read the tradition. (laughs) Hi, I'm Mark. I'm a sexaholic from San Antonio. My sobriety date is December 14th of 2007. And we thought, uh, as we're never organized, which is right, uh, that before we begin the topic on Tradition 1, we can read Tradition 1 because it doesn't take much time. Uh, Wally, who did the program and picked the people who were supposed to lead, was very wise when he gave us the shortest tradition because we're not all that bright. So we took the little one here. It's only two and a half pages. Uh, I'll, uh, tradition 1, and the long form is in the back. So uh, in, in Tradition 1, the long form doesn't really 
uh, add or subtract much at all. But please, when you're studying the traditions, do not, do not, uh, thank you, do not uh, forget to go back and read the long form of the tradition. Uh, so, tradition one, the unity of Alcoholics Anonymous, Sexaholics Anonymous for us is the most cherished quality our society has. Our lives, the lives of all to come, depend squarely on it. We stay whole or AASA dies. Without unity, the heart of AASA would cease to beat. Our world arteries would no longer carry the life-giving grace of God. His gift to us would be spent aimlessly. Back again in their caves, sexaholics would reproach us and say, what a great thing essay might have been. Does this mean, some will anxiously ask, that in essay the individual doesn't count for much? Is he to be dominated by his group and swallowed up in it? We may certainly answer this question with a loud no. We believe there isn't a fellowship on earth which lavishes more devoted care upon its individual members. Surely there is none which more jealously guards the individual's right to think, talk, and act as he wishes. No essay can compel another to do anything. Nobody can be punished or expelled. Our 12 steps to recovery are suggestions. The 12 traditions which guarantee essay's unity contain not a single don't. They repeatedly say, we ought, but never you must. To many minds, all this liberty for the individual spells sheer anarchy. Every newcomer, every friend who looks at essay for the first time is greatly puzzled. They see liberty verging, verging on license, yet they recognize at once that S.A. has an irresistible strength of purpose and action. How, they ask, can such a crowd of anarchists function at all? How can they possibly place their common welfare first? What in heaven's name holds them together? Those who look closely soon have the key to this strange paradox. The S.A. member has to conform to the principles of recovery. His life actually depends upon obedience to spiritual principles. If he deviates too far, the penalty is sure and swift. He sickens and dies. At first, he goes along because he must, but later he discovers a way of life he really wants to live. Moreover, he can find he cannot keep this priceless gift unless he gives it away. Neither he nor anybody else can survive unless he carries the essay message. The moment this 12-step work forms a group, another discovery is made, that most individuals cannot recover unless there is a group. Realization dawns that he is but a small part of a great whole, that no personal sacrifice is too great for preservation of the fellowship. He learns that the clamor of desires and ambitions within him must be silenced whenever these could damage the group. It becomes plain that the group must survive or the individual will not. So at the outset, how best to live and work together as groups became the prime question. In the world about us, we saw personalities destroying whole peoples. The struggle for wealth, power, and prestige was tearing humanity apart as never before. If strong people were stalemated in the search for peace and harmony, what was to become of our erratic band of sexaholics? As we had once struggled and prayed for individual recovery, just so earnestly did we commence to quest for the principles through which SA might itself might survive. On anvils of experience, the structure of our society was hammered out. 
Countless times in as many cities and hamlets we reenacted the story of Eddie Rickenbacker and his courageous company when their plane crashed in the Pacific. Like us, they had suddenly found themselves saved from death, but still floating upon a perilous sea. How well they saw that their common welfare came first. None might become selfish of what, uh, none might become selfish of water or bread. Each needed to consider the others, and in abiding faith they knew they must find their real strength. And this they did find, in measure to transcend all the defects of their frail craft, every test of uncertainty, pain, fear, and despair, and even the death of one. Thus it has been with S.A. By faith and by works we have been able to build upon the lessons of an incredible experience. They live today in the twelve traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous, Sexholics Anonymous, which, God willing, shall sustain shall sustain us in unity for so long as he may need us. That's tradition one from the 12 and 12. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate you. Um, Again, I'm Kathy. I am a sexaholic, and I apologize I got ahead of myself. So I think we were maybe illustrating tradition one, uh, because then Mark looked to the greater good. Um, One of the things that comes to mind in this tradition is that Um, The one thing that, several things come to mind, but one I'm thinking of is um, being the part of any group or organization. Um, Ego threatens that institution, uh, whether it's family or work or, you know, a team, that um, it's very important that we are in a situation, and this framework gives us an opportunity to stay together so that we can work the steps. Because if I'm out working the steps alone and I don't have the fellowship as a whole, I'm not going to survive very long. Um, And it's basically a reduction of ego. I don't get to run the show. And at the same time, having the traditions, it's an opportunity for each person to be heard and each person to be respected, even though the group as a whole, we may not have a full consensus with what the group decides. But then I can decide to um, defer my agenda, my needs, my wants when we have a group conscience and to discuss and come to a conclusion that's best for everyone. And uh, that could easily be illustrated for anyone who is married here when you are going to go out to dinner or maybe plan a trip or how are you going to spend your money. Because if each person in that marriage is just doing what they want to do, there's not going to be any cohesion or unity, and it's going to make it unlikely for it to succeed successfully. And um, that was redundant. But um, <clears throat> a couple of things that to, to illustrate this, um, yesterday I went to the city museum, and inside there there's a little circus, and they had some um, kids from this circus school doing some performances. So... You know, there was um, some gymnastic-type things, and one of the things was some juggling. And they had individuals, and I've seen individual jugglers before, but what I'd not seen before was tandem jugglers. Mm -hmm. So these two kids were juggling, and then they came together, and they were juggling together, Mm -hmm. like reaching their hands and arms and, and tossing these balls and catching them and doing it very gracefully. 
So not only did they have to focus on themselves and their own set of skills and what they can contribute, they also had to be mindful of the other person in that, in that team to be able to juggle like that. And it was an amazing thing to watch. Um, and it's certainly not in my skill set individually or tandemly. But to me, that's a, a good picture of this. You know, I need, I need to participate. I need to make my needs known and, and express um, my, my opinions when we're having a group conscience and contribute. And at the same time, I need to defer and respect and live with others uh, peacefully. And, uh, you know, we are people who would not normally mix. So when we have meetings... I think it's very important. I know um, sometimes um, we can, I've been in groups which the people individually who are there are primarily Christian, for example. And occasionally we will have someone who is not Christian come into our group. And I think it's very important for us to be mindful of, yes, we can each individually share our story and some of our background is going to come out, but we need to respectfully consider what we're saying and not assume that everyone shares the same faith or the same politics and be careful to leave that outside. Um, to me, that hour that we have as a meeting is a sacred place. It's the only place I can get the essay message. If I want to go to my church and learn more about my faith, I can do that. If I want opinions of philosophers or whoever, I can read whatever I like. I can go to the library and hear a speaker. I can hear a speaker who comes to an auditorium in the town. But there, there's nowhere else that I have this message. And it's a very brief period of time, and it needs to be a safe place for each one of us. And sometimes we have to set things aside. Another example that I will give is I was participating in a group conscience. Uh, actually, it was in another fellowship a long time ago. And so the group conscience, they were wanting to, to raise some money. And so someone actually had the idea to sell like um, like tickets or chances on something. And so there was a lot of discussion and enthusiasm, and I was a fairly new member to that group, and it really it really bothered me. And um, so I spoke up, and, and I basically stated I felt like it was an outside issue and that um, I really would not participate in that, and I didn't think it was a good idea. And I suggested that if any type of fundraiser needed to be done, that it be done outside the meeting after the conclusion of the meeting. You know, that's fine, and live and let live. And what surprised me about that, and it, it really made a deep impression on me of how these traditions work, is that I was the one dissenting voice, I was the minority opinion, and the group listened to what I had to say and then made the decision not to proceed. And had they just been totally relying on a democratic format or Robert's Rules of Order, the majority rules. But in this case, they seriously considered the minority opinion. And, you know, it was bigger to me than the issue of whether or not we were selling tickets. It was I was seen and heard and valued to be participating in that group conscience. And years later, that still is really significant to me because I know that many of us, if not most or all, have shared in growing up in family of origin where our um, opinion 
particularly if it was a dissenting opinion, was not valued. And so that's very healing to me to have my voice valued. And I also need to extend that gift to others. And with that, I will stop. Don't move the microphone. That's exactly what he said. Don't move the microphone. Don't move the microphone. I never moved the microphone. Okay. Uh, I'm Mark Masexholler from San Antonio. Uh, thank you, Kathy. Um, let me see here. I can get on a roll, so I'm going to put a clock on myself just because we'll be here till tomorrow morning. I'll still be talking. Um, I remember it took maybe four or five years for me to even get into the traditions to look at them. Uh, I was so uh, worried about my own life. Uh, hopefully, somewhere along the way, you've picked up the uh, the adage that the 12 steps keep us from killing ourselves and the 12 traditions keep us from killing each other. Um, I found that to be very true. Our history in San Antonio was what Kathy described in when, when she shared about the, the group conscience and respecting the mini- minority opinion. I can tell you that did not happen in San Antonio for many years as someone who has, I've lost every vote ever in a group. I'm never on the winning side of any vote in a group conscience. It's getting, it's gotten much better uh, in the last few years in San Antonio. Um, tradition one uh, lays out uh, wonderfully an introduction into the idea of we need the groups to survive or we might die. And I keep that in the back of my mind along with the acronym of WAIT, W-A-I-T, which for me means why am I talking? And at every group conscience before I open my big mouth, and Wally's taking a big risk tomorrow, Mark, by letting me do this uh, Q&A on Sunday morning, Q- an open Q&A meeting, because, oh, man, that's going to be scary. I'm going to be saying a lot of, wait, why Why am I about to say what I'm going to say? Uh, because in a group conscience with crazy sexaholics like myself, it can get ugly, and I'm guilty of that. Um, so a lot of, uh, with the help of my sponsor, directing me into the traditions, um, it, it's a wonderful experience, and I really encourage you to take your sponsees when you get done with the steps, get them right into the traditions, as was done for me. Um, just it, it took a few years in my case. So tradition one, we, we're reminded we need the groups to survive. That's the motivation to get into the rest of the traditions. So what does tradition one have to say? I don't want to repeat what Kathy said, so I'm going to skip around in my notes because she talked a lot about the same things I'm going to talk about. Um, unity does not mean uniformity. Okay, We can be... We can have unity of purpose, and we can want the group to survive. That doesn't mean that it's impolite for me to disagree, like the story was shared by Kathy. It's, that's a great story. The minority opinion is important for us all to hear. Um, so that's that's one point I want to Unity does not mean uniformity. And keep in mind also that the tradition, you know, that the, we talk about practicing getting along with other people in the fellowships. Um, I'm a love cripple. I don't know how to do a lot of interpersonal relationships. I lived in my head for 43 years. In When that door closes in a meeting, I get to practice my relationships with people. And when that door closes in a group conscience, perhaps I get to practice conflict 
where I don't make it personal. And it's not about winning and losing, but about communicating and trying to move everyone in a positive direction. And that, and that took me a while to, to grasp. Um, so, uh, I also like to tie when I, when I talk about this, I like to tie tradition one to tradition 12 which is anonymity. And to me, it's beautiful how tradition one leads you in to the traditions and then tradition 12 bookends it with that, that great last, the great last sentence in tradition 12 that anonymity is what it's all about. And in that reference, they're not talking about keeping our last name secret. They're talking about the anonymity that when that door closes, everyone in this room is equal. No one is a doctor, no one's a judge, no one's a law, no one's special. We're all addicts trying to get better. We're all the same. And that part with, when you, when you look at unity does not equal uniformity, that book ends this great idea of learning to treat people as people. What the therapists talk about keeping at the same level, not one up and not one down, where I used to, everyone I met, I'm better than him or I'm worse than him to get away from that as a basis of living for me. So that was really important. Um, okay, we also talked, or Kathy also mentioned, when when you're in the group and the group uh, decides to do something that you don't like, well, okay, what do you do now? All right, so we've had the group conscience. We went, we had a group conscience on, okay, we want red chairs or blue chairs, and they went blue chairs, and everyone knows you need red chairs in a 12-step meeting. You just got to have red chairs. So you're like, okay, what do I do? For me, the, the two paths are find it, the easiest one is we'll find a different meeting. That's not a bad choice. Just if this meeting is driving you nuts, go find a different meeting. Now, perhaps the better choice is to re-examine what's going on in the crazy place between our ears and to take your sponsor with you and say, why, what is it about this issue that's driving me so crazy? And to do a spot check on it or a, a mini four-step, whatever, the 10-step refers to it as spot check. Um, and to look and to let God or your higher power use that as a teaching opportunity for you. Um, okay, um, we talked about that, um, and um, I, and I love the way that I don't need to read it again, but I love the paradox part of the tradition one uh, reading, where the group is the most important at the same time as the individual being the most important. We're all here about ourselves. We came in self-centered. We were mostly self-centered as we go through this. I'm still very self-centered. I will probably die saying the same words. I'm still very self-centered. But yet, my understanding and my need to preserve the group has greatly increased as what they talked about in the tradition has, has occurred for me. The longer I know that my life depends on the group, the more I value the group over my own needs. And, I, and that's the way Kathy takes it into her, her family. And, and that's, that's one of the great benefits of working on the traditions is it's so easily applied in your family relationships or your work relationships. It just, it's so much of the steps take a little more wiggling to apply them so directly in those, at least for me, in those relationships. But the traditions for me flow in real easily. Um, okay, and then the, see, there's some questions to think about. Um, 
Uh, well, well, one thing I'll add too from my own personal uh, history is uh, I went through a few year period where I simply was not well enough to participate in group consciousness. I simply was not well enough to do what Tradition One asked me to do. And I had a sponsor who was willing to tell me that and to just say, stop going. You're not well enough for that. And you know what? That's a great phrase. I'm not well enough. I use it in my home. I use it with my kids. I use it a lot with my sponsees and other people in the fellowship. I'm not well enough today to handle that question, or I'm not well enough today to deal with that issue or to even talk about this subject. Anyway, it's a great little phrase, and it's the, it's the absolute truth. Okay, some questions that, tw- that Tradition One uh, make me think about is how do I show respect for other people's views? I'm a snarky guy, and I can be real uh, thanks for sharing, you know, that kind of guy. Uh, and and I really had to ask myself, how do I show respect? I can say, oh, I respect your view, but am I really showing it? So that was just something that comes from mind. Uh, and then the last thing, uh, am, am I, again, part of why am I talking? Am I really searching for unity or am I simply manipulating for control? with a question that's moving forward. Am I really just trying to control the situation or am I really trying to help the group stay unified? And again, we've had a, a, a fun history in San Antonio where we've gotten to practice a lot of these principles. Uh, so yeah, laughter from the San Antonio guys. Um, okay, uh, and with that, that's my 10 minutes. We will, uh, I think, go back to Kathy. You're going to introduce the sharing? Yes. Thank you. You You now have the opportunity to share with the group. Please focus on the topic of the meeting, which is Tradition 1 and our common welfare coming first. And um, like sharing in any essay meeting, please limit your sharing to the topic, avoiding explicit description or distracting comments, and focusing on the solution rather than the problem. Please do not share anything that legally would have to be reported to the authorities. Please line up here. And um, so we don't have to wait for each person to come up. Please speak loud enough for all to hear. And I think we should each have two minutes to share. The group has grown some. And so I welcome you to come up, and let's keep it flowing. I don't know if you've listened to these, but when you are in the car and then you think something happened to the CD or something's wrong and it's blank, and, you know, it's just nice to have a nice flow. So please come. Hi, my name is Matthew, I'm a sex hawk. So my sponsor likes to use the traditions and apply them to himself and uh, his life. And uh, if it's okay, I, I'd like to do that part of uh, Tradition 1. Um, so in when I got into the program, the first character defect that was really obvious to me uh, was being a people pleaser. And that was pretty important for me. I was always living for other people's praise. And so what was really difficult for me was to figure out Okay, I've been living for everybody else for my whole life so far. I've not done too much of just living and figuring out what I actually want, you know. And um, so, and there was also an issue of not pleasing people, you know, actually making some boundaries. And so I went through a period of making boundaries and trying to state, like, I do or don't want to do this, even if it's not what you want to do, you know? And so I kind of went one direction for a while, kind of establishing like, okay, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm not okay with this, so I'm not going to do it, even though someone else wants to do it. And um, kind of figuring out who I was in the process and also just having that experience of saying, yes, my emotions and desires matter. Um, but eventually I got to the point that I realized, okay, I've done enough of that, and maybe I've gone a little bit too far in that direction of caring about what my own emotions and desires are. And it's okay for me to say, um, I think it's good to recognize, yes, this is what I want to do, but I'm going to sacrifice it in this case. I'm going to say, even though that's what I want to do, I'm going to recognize there's other important people. And if I actually want to be with other people, if I don't want to just be some loner all by myself, and I actually want to have a life that's joined with other people, then I need to be willing to sacrifice my own desires and interests in interest of other people's desire and interests. Um, but I think it's helpful if I do that knowing and recognizing that I do have these desires and I'm making a conscious decision to say I'm going to be okay with caring about what someone else wants in that case. And the primary way this has been exercised in my life is with my, my marriage. And um, it's been a process. It's been a long process because I did not do a good job learning and maturing during my teenage years which is a time that I think was where I was supposed to learn that. Um, uh, but I was an addict, and so I kind of skipped that. Um, so it was awkward, and it was hard. Um, but at this point, I feel you know, somewhat, somewhat balanced and, um, and able to care about both myself and the others in my life. So that's my share. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you. Timekeeper, Mark, you're taking. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks. Hi, everyone. I'm Scott I'm from Peoria, Illinois. Um, I've got just a dissenting opinion, Mark. There was something in your share that uh, you said easily applied to the family or something like that. And I was like, uh, that's not where I am. Um, <laughs> easier. Okay. All right. All right. Well, um, at any rate. Um, I'm here to learn because I'm in the middle of trying to apply, you know, common welfare first in my marriage family specifically. Um, and, uh, the, the reality is I've been separated from my wife for a year. We communicate via text, pick the kids up at this time, whatever. Um, she, she has PTSD as a result of my addiction and um, it's a very difficult situation. Um, so um, learning to put common welfare first has not been easy for me. Um, usually what I did before was uh, put everybody else's welfare first, and then I'll take what I want with my addiction. I'll kind of feel my needs that way. That didn't work. Um, and so then I kind of flipped to putting my needs first. Um, and so that common welfare, I haven't found that balance yet. And the situation I'm in with my marriage is very difficult. I'm looking for anyone who has wisdom to share, experience, strength, and hope in that uh, separation uh, process, uh, whether it ends in us coming back together or not, whatever it is, uh, any experience, strength, and hope I'd like to Listen and talk to you after the meeting sometime. So that's why I'm here. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. 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 Thanks.
Uh, hi, everyone. Ken Sexaholic, Hackensack, New Jersey. Hi, Ken. I, I love the words uh, of the 12 and 12. I can identify so much with the clamor, silencing the clamor within my head. I lived a lifetime with clamor, and, and I did not choose to come in here. I got caught, and hence I'm now here. But I do choose to come now daily to meetings, and I've been coming to meetings for for uh, 10, 10 years now. What, what a blessing that is. 20 years, though, I lived side by side with my wife, thinking of what this whole, thinking that was unity. And it took me working the steps, coming to the program to understand that I am okay and that you do make me healthy, having that fellowship. But I had to learn, this is remedial education for me. So, so a big part of the program for me was not just first working on myself, put the oxygen mask on first yourself, but then going to those couples meetings and hearing over and over again how important it was for safety on the couple side and recognizing with joy that I too deserve that safety. And, and I have an obligation in this uniformity to be able to speak up and share my feelings and not have a personal attachment to it. And there's such a joy in being able to express and let it go. And I appreciate being here. I appreciate you being here and your fellowship. Ken Sexaholic. Thank you. Thanks, Ken. I'm Amjad. I'm a hopeless sexaholic, miraculously uh, sober, so I'm glad to be here. Uh, so I just uh, real quick wanted to share a couple of stories that, for me, illustrates this, uh, this tradition. Uh, one, I was in a meeting one time, this was a few years back, and uh, the person who brought the topic actually uh, turned on their phone and played a song that was a, a religious song, and that, it was like a five-minute long song, and we sat and listened to it, and that was their topic. And my blood pressure was going through the roof. I mean, I, I thought I was going to have an aneurysm before the song was over. I mean, I just was, I was vibrating. And one of, one of the fellows who I'm really close to, uh, I texted him from across the room and I was like, I'm going to die. And he's like, let's go for a walk. So we took a walk and I was just like, I can't believe that he brought this topic. And then he said, he said, you know what really helps me? And I'm, I'm 99% sure this has already been shared, but, uh, he, he said, what helps me is to remember that it's not my meeting, it's God's meeting. And that to me is what this, this tradition is all about is that as long as I remember that it's God's will, He's the director, He's the principal, it makes everything so much easier. And, uh, the other thing is, you know, I've been in, in our group for, in our, in our city for several years and I've seen all kinds of crazy, and it's weird because as long as God's in charge, it all sort of transitions through. And, uh, one quick other story. Uh, there was a couple of us that decided to start a meeting closer to our homes, and there were some other folks that were just, they thought, I thought they were gonna die because they were like, no, you're splitting up the group. And, uh, eventually that became, the new location became the hub for our town, and it was just, it was like God leading things in the direction that they needed to go. And so, like I said, for me, this, the, this tradition is all about, as long as I can remember that God's in charge, and I don't, it doesn't, my will just has to be aligned with his, and if I don't get my will, it's okay, because my will is not important. This is about ego deflation for me. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Thanks, Thanks, Sanjay. Thanks, Sanjay.
We'll give it a 30, 45 seconds here, and then if nobody's ready, if no one's ready to share, we'll just shut it down rather than that. just have dead air on the tape. So, does anyone have a, is there a question out there on anything or that the group can handle? We'll get to share one. Okay. Hi, I'm Steve. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, I like the traditions. You know, they, they tell you, you know, after you work the steps, then you, you got to work the traditions. <laughs> I had a sponsor, you know, <clears throat> uh, told me that. And uh, anyhow, um, and, and I, like, I like what it says in the 12 and 12 about, you know, um, you know, my life depends upon obedience to spiritual principles. You know, I don't know if you, you read this. Uh, you did. Didn't you? <laughs> But uh, it does, uh, you know. I, if I don't stay sober, you know, and if my addiction will uh, take me away. And um, anyway, there's a meeting, and uh, you know, and then I have to. The, that desires and ambitions uh, has to be silenced when they, these could damage the group, you know. So I have to put my recovery first in my life, and I and um, I, I know that, and you know that. There's this one meeting I go to on Thursday, and this guy has a girlfriend, you know, and he, he just will not get. <laughs> and so I bug him about it, you know, sometimes, you know, but <clears throat> and I, I really get on this guy's nerves, you know, but, uh, you know, and, and it was like this dark force in the meeting. And I wish, he, you know, anyway, <laughs> but, I, I, you know, I try to tell him, you know, about uh, <clears throat> things like uh, like Gilligan's Island. You ever watch that when you're I mean, I mean, I'm dating myself, but, you know, <laughs> You know, there's Gilligan and there's Skipper and then, you know, uh, it, it, the seven deadly sins. That, you know, that's, that's what they say. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I started singing this song. You know, we were doing a meeting in a pizza parlor because, you know, the, the church threw us out. Anyway, but <laughs> and I was really getting on this guy's nerves. He's going, just shut up, you know. Anyway, but uh, <clears throat> like, you know, if I would have been on Gilligan's Island, I probably would have killed everybody. I don't know, you know, or maybe... Maybe not Mary, hung on to Marianne or something, but I don't know, <laughs> whatever. But and you know, and and I say, hey, this twelve and twelve, we gotta learn, we gotta learn this book, you know. And they say, ah, we don't ever read that book, you know, da 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 da, you know. And um, and it's basically, I told them, you know, you guys are a bunch of windbags, you know, and they didn't like that either. Anyway, so, but um, well, we're not a psychology group. Anyway, I'm out of time. But anyway, thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Roger, Grateful Recovering Sexaholic. One of the meetings I attend has a guy who um, at a time had like 15 years or 12 years of sobriety, I don't remember. And if somebody was new or, or forgot and they did something that really was not to be done, he would gently um, kind of raise his hand and say, you know, we don't do that or whatever. You know, he'd correct them, you know, if they'd start, you know, quoting scripture or something or another. And um, he doesn't go to the same meeting anymore. He formed another meeting for a number of other reasons. But uh, I go on occasion to that meeting. And last year I was at a meeting and one guy was sharing and he <coughs> quoted from some, 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 not some scripture, but from somebody uh, some writing he quoted uh, a couple lines and then and then I got kind of got me like you know you don't do that but you know and then another person shared and they shared something similar and then you know, again somebody was sharing about their blood and then somebody else um, 
said something that was something that we don't do. And that's in our white book. We don't do those type. Use literature from outside our program. So afterwards, I, uh, in the announcement part of the meeting, I said, can we all stick around? I'd like to have a brief group conscience. And then I said, you know, I, I think it's appropriate that you can share whatever belief you have, and if you found it from some type of source, that's fine. But we don't need the attribution. Uh, that's not part of what we need. If you found the belief because of something, and uh, the problem is I didn't say it politely like my <laughs> sponsor did. And that's that's the problem that this, uh, and, and when you were saying about, your sponsor said, you know, maybe you shouldn't go to group consciences. Well, I was a debater in high school, and I just have to win. And, and, uh, and I, um, although I go to group consciences now, I'm very, very cautious. And I, thank you. Thank you, Roger. Hi, my name is Nancy. I'm a sexaholic from Columbus, Ohio. Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on SA unity. Um, and then from what is a sexaholic, what is sexual sobriety? At the end, until we've been driven to the point of despair, until we really wanted to stop but could not, we did not give ourselves to this, no, we did not give ourselves to this program of recovery. There are lots of S programs. I've chosen to be involved in this program of recovery. Um, but then I go back to unity. In the course of a meeting, in order to, to um, promote unity, it's not my place to talk about the differences between S groups or even to pound that SA is the right group. I used to be absolutely ballistic and try to talk me in, people into this is the groups that you, you have to be part of. You know, there's not five AAs. There's not, you know, you could drink three, two beer and wine cooler and you're sober. Um, there's one AA. There are different S groups. There's not just, um, there's not just SA. The, the discussions about the sobriety definitions do not belong in an SA meeting. We want unity. Um, it's okay for folks to find recovery in other S programs. Like I said, I used to be ballistic about it. I used to palm people over the head over it. But the most important thing is in the meeting, we must have unity. We, we must have not these discussions and arguments and about the spray definition. Yes. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Nancy. This will be the last year. Everybody, my name is Anonymous. Hi, Anonymous. Thank you. Um, grateful to be here. Uh, I love the traditions too. Um, I, uh, I think for me the traditions can't even happen until I do um, six and seven and work on my character defects. This particular one flies in the face of all my pride and fear. Um, you know, I, I, the problem with this thing, with having group conscience like we talked about is I know I'm right. <laughs> you know, I know I'm right and I can't get over that. That you guys can't get, disagree with me because you know, I'm right. Don't you see that? 
and to be able to let go of that and just say, it doesn't matter if I'm right, you know? It's in another, another fellowship, you know, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy, you know? Um, and it's important to be happy. And there's a group that I, I was attending and um, had a group conscience, and they did something I didn't really like. And um, the other thing I have to do is, is be willing to say, how important is it? You know, I need this group. It's the only one that fits into my schedule on this day, and I really need fellowship. Before I came to this program, I had me and I had God, and it wasn't enough. I need the fellowship. And this is what's available, and it's 99% great, and I need to let it go, you know, and keep what's good and just let go of the rest of it. And um, so that's the other one that's really helped me, that how important is it? And this particular issue is not that big a deal. I need you guys. Thanks. Hi, I'm Steve, a recovery sexaholic from St. Louis. Um, one of the things that I've noticed over the years uh, that any group, in my opinion, needs a structure. And uh, SA, I believe, has a structure that works, and it's something that I really appreciate. If you get a group of people, myself included, trying to decide who, how to do a meeting, how to set up a structure, uh, I have found that to be successful. And uh, that SA has a pre-described structure that uh, is suggested, uh, but I found that the groups that do uh, follow, uh, let's say, the meeting format as an example, uh, tend to run pretty smoothly. Uh, when it comes to a group conscience, if uh, as, as the previous speaker uh, mentioned that uh, you know I too, uh, when I believe something. I believe I have a, a uh, responsibility to say it, but then that's it. If it's something that's worthwhile, it'll take, it may take a year from now, uh, but it doesn't have to take that night uh, that I say it. Um, so I see that's how God working through me. I say what I need to say, let it go, and, and trust that the, the rest will work out. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Uh, we have like a minute left if anybody's really dying to get up here and say something. All right, going once, going twice, that's gone. Okay. Closing script. Let me find my glasses so I can read. Anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. And then I guess that's it. So let's stand and say the third step prayer. And it's located on the back of your schedules if you need to reference something. And we can form up, and that'd be great. We'll join us, have a circle thing. Good. God, offer myself to thee, to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help, of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep you coming back, it works if you work it and sober. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for coming. Thank you. Oh, that went by quick. Yeah. I am so sorry. I mean, I got on a roll, and it was like, I got the script, and... No problem. And I have to anyway. Thank you very much. I'm glad that you did speak up. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.